Good evening. If you seem to sense an aura of cold dampness that permeates this room, attribute it not to either defective air conditioning or inclement indoor weather. It's simply because this is rather a special place with special statuary and special paintings. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to the Saturday Cartoon Alternative episode. That's right. You're listening to the day it is uploaded. It's September 9th, episode number 1,363. Right next to me is my living, breathing cartoon. Jimmy, I got one name. Jimmy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Quite a good scene, isn't it? One man crazy. Three very sane spectators. Yeah, we have some sane spectators here in the studio. Let's see, I have some fur kids behind me, including the brand new adoptee at Check Sane. And to my left, uh, it's questionable, that is Kimmy. You don't know how much I've missed all of you. And I promise you I'll never desert you again. You see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. Uh, She's saying hello to all the people in the dark. Hello. Uh, Kimmy's with us. It's a Saturday cartoon alternative kind of day. We we can call it that because Kimmy is the living, breathing cartoon. Mm. Yeah, you're like my version of Jessica Rabbit, you know? Oh. Or or maybe that other one. You remember the one where uh, Cool Town or what was that called? uh, uh, Kim Basinger? Yeah. You remember that one? Mm -hmm. That one I kind of forgot about. I need to find that one again. That was one of the first movies I think I took you to, wasn't it? Probably. Yes. And she stayed amazing. Knew she was a keeper. That was right. I actually had three movies I tested Gimme out on. And it was to see the keep factor, wasn't it? Mm. And Is it, that what that was? Yeah, wow. Yeah, at least that's the story I tell now. And it actually worked. Uh, it, it, see, it, I suggest that for people because got to have the same kind of interest or at least sort of, right? Even though we are opposites, truly we are, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we really are. It's the Paul Abdul thing, right? Yeah. The opposites track. <laughs> I'm serious, being honest about that. It's a Saturday, as I said, cartoon alternative. We're here for escapism. That's what the Riley and Kimmy Show offers every single day. A brand new episode that talks about pop culture-related things, correct? Mm-hmm. Every, and that, every day, and that means everything under the umbrella of pop culture. It could be you know about old-time radio. It could be about classic television, current TV shows, current movies, those of the past. It could be uh, about toys, collectibles, comic books, all kinds of things, correct? Mm-hmm. And we have archived episodes available right now on our website. We have celebrity interviews, videos. We have nerd links. Oh, and so much more, including photographs and social media links. So you can follow The Riley and Kimmy Show and be updated quickly. We have all of those available right on our website, plus a contact event page. If you like the Riley and Kimmy Show to be at your upcoming event, just go to that contact event page. It's all on our website. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. RileyandKimmy.com. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? Now that is the question for Kimmy on the Saturday. Does she want to play some nerd and pop culture trivia? We have a prize for her if she gets more of them right and wrong if she chooses to play. Do you want to play, Kimmy? Yeah. All right. 
Get ready to play Nerd and Pop Culture Trivia. We'll be asking for some questions from the Nerd Timeline. The timeline has been adjusted, meaning it is not in chronological or linear order. Shout out answers to Kimmy. She believes in time travel answers, so yell at whatever computing device you have the Rowdy and Kimmy show on. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. And what we have for Kimmy is the dinner of her choice. Now, this will be a certificate uh, that I'll fill in the blank. It could either be me making dinner for her because I am the chef. Actually, I'm the only cook on this ship. It's just me. I'm the only one in the back cave of cooks. Isn't that true? Mm, that's true. So you can get that dinner of your choice or from a restaurant anywhere in Central Florida. It's a certificate to use at a later date. How's that? Cool. All right. Now, are, are you all geared up and ready? Are you awake enough on this early Saturday morning to play? I think I am. All right. First question we have for you is in the world of computers, Kimmy. It was on this date in history. The first TRS-80 computer is sold. We want to know the year the TRS-80 computer first sold. We'll give you a buffer of five years. Give you a second or two to think about it. Here's one of the first commercials that ever aired about a TRS-80. Maybe there's a clue in there. For those parents who realize that $600 isn't too much to spend to expand their child's world, Radio Shack has the perfect gift. The TRS-80 computer, the most significant investment a parent can make. Programs for your child's education or your business, finance, and home use. Let your children discover tomorrow's technology today. The TRS-80, the biggest name in little computers. Only at Radio Shack. A candy company. What year, Kimmy, was the uh, first TRS-80? When when was it first sold? 1980. Uh, you get it within the five-year buffer. I know the TRS and the 80 is what caused you to say probably 1980. It was actually 1977 when they marketed the TRS-80 and sold it for the very first time. It was on this date in history. This person, this president of the United States, well, actually his wife, gave birth to a daughter. It was the first time. A president's child was born in the White House. Now, did this happen in the 1890s, 1930s, 1950s, or the 1960s? When did it happen, Kimmy? 1960s? Oh, boy, I know what threw you. You were guessing JFK, weren't you? Uh-huh. It actually happened in 1893, the 1890s. President Grover Cleveland's wife, Frances Cleveland, gave birth to their daughter, Esther. Okay. See what you learn here. Yeah. It was on this date, 1836, Abraham Lincoln receives a license to practice what, Kimmy? Law. Yeah, what was the clue there? I wonder. <laughs> yeah, it, it was law. It was on this date in 1850, California became the 31st state to join the Union. It was on this date, 1926, that this broadcast company was created by RCA, the Radio Corporation of America. Kimmy, what broadcast company was created 1926 and was associated with RCA? Um, NBC? The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Yeah, they didn't have living color in 1926, though. But yes, Kimmy got it exactly right. <laughs> Moving to the world of computers. The year is 1945. The first bug in a computer program is discovered. 
This discovery is well done by Grace Hopper. What is discovered is a moth. It was removed with tweezers. Mm. That's the first bug. Uh-huh. The, it is. Uh-huh. I'm not making that up. That's in the computer almanac. Okay. They consider that the first bug. I know it's not what we kind of think about, but it is. the. You know, when I used to open up uh, old television sets when I was a kid, one of my jobs was to go around uh, with a TV repair shop, an electronic repair shop. My job was, well, to help these things called console TVs and carry TV sets into the repair place. But my other job was to open them all up and freeze spray the bugs that were coming out. Mm. Because you know they like nice and warm places, and mm. back then there was ways for them to get in and things like that. Not so much today. Although I have not inspected people's homes and you know TV sets and stuff, but uh, back then it was a little different. Plus, people held on to these TVs a lot longer <laughs> than they do now, so they were like an apartment complex for insects in some cases. Mm. All right. Ew. Yeah, it was on this date, Kimmy. The first use of this was done on the Hank. McCoon show in the United States. Yeah, you don't know what that is, but you know what was done, what was used for the very first time. It has a term. It has two, an industry term, but also has a mainstream term. We're looking for either. We think you'll go for the mainstream term. Tell me what it is. Okay, that's your sample there. What is that called? A laugh track. That's right, a laugh track. It's also called sweetening. That's what they would say, we'll sweeten a show, meaning it it lacked in laughter or the studio audience wasn't good enough or they didn't even want to record in front of a studio audience. They would do this. It was first done, what decade, Kimmy? The 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, or 1980s? 1950s. You got it right. It was first done, 1950, on that TV show that, well, you have no clue and I guarantee probably one in... 100,000 don't know about. Yeah, sweetening, laugh track. And then you listen to some cartoons and they used them too. They started using them in cartoons and quite a few classic TV shows. You will hear the the laugh track. Now, I have friends, sound effect you know, groupies or experts. Some are really sound engineers. They can actually spot or by the ear tell you which laugh track that is. There, there are actual labels of laugh, laugh track sets that were used for periods of times. And that the studios would share and, and use. And they can identify it. They go, well, that's Laugh Track, blah, blah, blah. Or Laugh Track, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, okay. Uh, yeah. All right, moving ahead here. It was on this day, 1955. The dual music system jukebox was introduced by the J.P. Seberg Corporation. It was the first to hold 100 singles. Mm. I would love to have a jukebox, like a Wurlitzer. Yeah. And some others. I would love to have one. You know, uh, I, I don't know if I would play it. But I just think it'd be really cool to have. I do have a mini jukebox that's really cool that somebody gave me as a birthday present a number of years ago. I wonder who that... Oh, that was you! Yeah! That was, that was Kimmy. Yeah. I love the thing. It has, you know, it's got fluid moving through it when you light it up. Hey, it's pretty cool. Uh-huh. That's right. It was on this date in history, Kimmy, 1956, that this person, well, he made his first appearance on this TV show. The TV show had a, a subtitle. It was called Toast of the Town with the person's name in front of it. First, tell me the name of that TV show. Here is your audio clue. And now, as a first for our show, we present this deeply moving preview. Who is that, Kimmy? That is Ed Sullivan. All right, this person, this rock star, this pop star, made his first appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. 
He was shot from just the waist up during the performance because they thought he was naughty. Tell me who it is. Elvis Presley. Yeah. Now, how many times did Elvis appear on the Ed Sullivan Show? How many times total? Three. That's correct. Three times. And you can check out those clips. I'm sure they're available online. Staying in the world of music, it's 1957. This song reaches number one. Identify the recording artist, Kimmy. I don't care just what they say, cause forever I will pray. You and I will be as free as the birds up in the trees. Oh, please stay by me, Diana. All right, that's the song, Diana, number one, 1957 on this date. Who is the recording artist, Kimmy? I don't know. I will give you an extra clue here. He's known for many, many hits, but he's also known for doing a theme for a certain TV show. Here's the TV show. Identify it. That's right. He composed that theme for Johnny Carson. Now, can you tell me who the recording artist is who had the hit, Diana? Well, uh, Doc Severinsen? No, Doc Severinsen wasn't. No, no, no. <laughs> he, he didn't compose that. He okay. performed it, Kimmy. It was Paul Anka who recorded Diana. It was number one in 1957. Kimmy's shaking her head in disgust like, hey, he would know that. Kimmy, you're being yelled at right now. I guarantee mm. that. Our friend Jay in Jacksonville, Florida, who is a big musicologist, he's yelling at you right now. All right. He's saying, you should have known that one. Okay, moving ahead. In the year is 1965. Sandy Koufax... <laughs> Pitches the eighth perfect game in Major League Baseball history. What team is he playing for in 1965? Oh, the Yankees? He's playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. The year is 1967. This song is released. Now, you know the cover version very well. This is the original version, Kimmy. Are you ready for your clue? Uh Uh-huh. What's the title, Kimmy? Soul Man. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. I Now, I know you know the cover version, but can you tell me who had the original hit? Mm, no. It's Sam and Dave, Soul Man. It was released on this date in 1967. Staying in 1967. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Year's 1967. The test of this giant rocket is successful. Kimmy, tell me the name of the big rocket that would take mankind to the moon. You have went to the building under the title of that rocket where there is one on display, one remaining on display at Kennedy Space Center. Apollo. That's correct. It is Apollo that was tested. By the way, we have video of that. I believe you can find that on our Facebook page where many years ago, and you, you got to forgive the quality. I mean, this was a long time ago before cell phones actually recorded well. Uh, I had a like a tiny digital recorder and recorded walking underneath that that beast and it, it even with that 
crude recording, it is very impressive, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 1967. And if you ever come to Florida to Kennedy Space Center, please go to that. It's worth the bus ride out to the, the complex and checking that part out. Yes. Moving back to trivia, the year is 1969. Jimi Hendrix made his television debut on what talk show, Kimmy? What talk show was brave enough to have Jimi Hendrix on it? I will give you a clue. It was a nighttime talk show. The year's 1969. TV. Um, The Tonight Show? It's the rival to Johnny Carson who had Jimi Hendrix. It is the Dick Cavett Show. Okay. Now, Cavett would have uh, some uh, you know, contemporary artists on, maybe that you would not see on The Tonight Show to try to you know, uh, have, uh, well, more heat or get heat onto Carson. And you can see this. It is available... The, uh, the Dick Cavett show is ran on Decades TV Network, and I just recently saw the Hendrix thing. And Cavett, it's, uh, some of his interviews are right out of the park, but sometimes he seems quite out of place with some of the people. You be the judge with the Jimi Hendrix interview. The year is 1971. This person's LP, Imagine, is released. And can you tell me who it is? John Lennon. That's right. The year is 1971. John Lennon and Yoko appear on the Dick Cavett show. That was in 1971 on ABC TV. The year is 1978. Beast of Burden was released by what rock group? The Rolling Stones. Moving ahead here. 1979, at the age of 16, she became the youngest player to win the U.S. Open women's tennis title. Who is it? In 1979, she's 16 years old. Tracy Austin. How do you know that? Did were you trying to be a Tracy Austin? Did something not you weren't around and really you know aware in nineteen seventy nine, but you know, was Tracy Austin used did somebody say, Kimmy, you can be just like Tracy Austin, you can play tennis and, and be a big big time tennis player? Uh no. How did you know that? I, I knew it. All right. The year is nineteen eighty four. Walter Payton breaks Jim Brown's combined yardage record when he reaches fifteen thousand five hundred and seventeen yards. What team is Walter Payton playing for? The Chicago Bears. That's correct. The year is 1986. This billionaire, I don't know if he was a billionaire at the time, but he would become a billionaire. This broadcast mogul presented the first of his colorized films on WTBS in Atlanta. Remember the Superstation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was his. And he would eventually, or I, he might have been at this time, married to a Hollywood actress. Who is he? Um, oh, Ted Turner. That's right. Ted Turner colorized things. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Mm-mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, way back, I, one time I, I I thought, well, you know, just turn off the color. Because you used to be able to do it on TV sets really easy. You, there was like a dial. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, sure. But even that, I think it's wrong. Yeah. You know, you know leave, just leave them. Then the other part of me says, well, maybe people won't watch some of these classics if, they, if they're not in color. You know, the, this way at least they get exposed to it. But I still say leave them be. Uh-huh. And, yeah, just it's yeah. something wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, Le- leave it alone. And those, back in the 86, they, they were crude in comparison yeah. to some of the technology of today. Mm-hmm. It was on this date, 1987, Larry Bird began his NBA free throw streak of 59. What team does he play for in 1987? Boston Celtics. Ooh, you are a sports geek, aren't you? <laughs> the year is 1987. This TV show airs for the last time on CBS. Now, keep in mind, the year is 1987. The theme to it is nothing 1980s based. It's definitely retro based, definitely nostalgia based. See if you can tell me the name of the TV show. Mm-hmm. 
have a feeling Kimmy doesn't uh, know this one. I mm. see you shaking your head. You have no clue, do you? Mm-mm. I'll give you one more clue. It's about a detective. Can you tell me what it is? Stacy Keach played the mm. lead role. He played the detective. Mm-mm. Can you do it? Mm-mm. It's nope. Mickey. It's <laughs> it's Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer. You remember that? You remember it on at all? You know what's interesting is I don't see Me TV or Antenna TV or Heroes and Icons or any retro television station running that uh, or have in a long. I, I don't think I've encountered ever. You know, more than a decade of really you know hanging out with those type of TV stations. Hmm. That's Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer. 1988, this single is released. It reaches Billboard Song of the Year the following year in 1989. Kimmy, identify the song and then tell me who the recording group is. Here's your audio clue. Found someone else. I guess I won't be coming round. I guess it's over, baby. It's really over, baby. Whoa. And from what you said, I know you've gotten over me. It'll never be the way it is. Kimmy, identify that hit. Look away. Look away, baby. Look away. We meet on the street someday. And I don't know what to say. Look away, baby. Look away. That's Look Away by what recording group, Kimmy? Chicago. Uh, do you have that in your collection somewhere? Not that song. Oh, yeah. That's one that uh, I used to, uh, you know, I used to be a club DJ, also events and things like that. And boy, that one was played, just guess what, a lot in 1988. Yeah, it was like the last song, you know, you had to play at a club or something. And usually they wanted it to be a slow song or something like that. Uh, yeah, fond memories. Okay, moving moving along here. The year is 1994. The Space Shuttle Discovery blasted off on a 11-day mission. The year is 1995. 1995, Amtrak's Broadway Limited Service made its final run between New York City and Chicago, Illinois. It's so on this date, Kimmy, 1996. This song is released. We want you to identify the recording group they have a unique sound. I doubt you have anything by them on vinyl. You might have something by them on MP3, but I doubt you have this single. The single is Hero of the Day. Identify the group. They have a unique sound. I think Kimmy will be able to tell me who it is. Who is it, Kimmy? Metallica? Yeah, you got it right. But you, you don't have that on MP3, no. do you? Yeah, Hero of the Day, released on this date, 1996. It's 1998. It was on this date, 1988. Independent Counsel Kenneth Starr delivers to the United States Congress... 36 boxes of material concerning his investigation of this United States individual. Who is it? Bill Clinton. That's right, President Clinton, 1998. The year is 1998. Four tourists who had paid 
$32,000 each were taken in a submarine. They were taken down, way down, two miles below in the Atlantic off Newfoundland to view the wreckage of what ship, Kimmy? The Titanic. Now, Kimmy, would you pay thirty-two thousand dollars, or would you go for free? Let's re- let's. Would you go for free down in the submarine, down two miles to see the wreckage? Mm, probably not. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm surprised they. There's only four. I mean, I know that's probably all it could fit. I, I wonder if there was more than that, or are they like the only four that did it. Period. Mm. 1998, an episode of Judge Judy aired in which this Sex Pistol member appears as a defendant. He appears as a defendant in a case involving a drummer who sued him for allegedly headbutting him during a contract dispute. Who is the member of the Sex Pistols on Judge Judy? Sid Vicious? No, it's the other one. That's the other one I know. Uh, Johnny Rotten. Oh. You knew Johnny Rotten, didn't you? Uh, you know the personally. name, but you know, well, I, I hope not. Uh, but you know who he was, correct? Uh huh. It's on this day, 1999. Nine Inch Nails performed at the 1999 MTV Video Music Awards. It was their first live appearance on television, or actually, a, a award show—the first time they ever appeared on an award show. Mm. 1999, the Sega Dreamcast game system went on sale. It was very important. By 1 o'clock in the afternoon, all Toys R Us locations in the United States had sold out. Celebrity and notable birthdays. Born, well, he adopted this one name. It was given to him, actually. He earned it. Colonel Harlan Sanders was born 1890, died 1980 at the age of 90, He's known as a founder of something, Kimmy. What did he find? What did he create? KFC. That's right. Kentucky Fried Chicken, or as it's, well, they like to call it now, KFC. Next person, an actor born on this date, 1923, died 2011 at the age of 68. He appeared twice as a guest villain on the 1960s Batman show. He was the villain. Shame. Identify who he is, Kimmy. Oh, you know I can't stand to see a woman cry. All right. Holster your hardware, fellas. Wouldn't want no stray bullets in this here truck after all this work and all that money facing us. Talking to you is like talking pig Latin to a donkey. We got them outnumbered. Three and a half to two. Now, let's hang up their hides. Kimmy, can you identify that actor? Mm, no, he, I can't. He played Shame. You don't remember Shame? Mm-mm. The cowboy? Mm-mm. That's Cliff Robertson, born on this date, 1923. Next person, born on this date, 1941. He recorded this song three days before he was killed in a plane crash in 1967. Identify who he is. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in and Then I'll watch them roll away again I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away 
Can you identify who that is? Sam Cooke? It's Otis Redding, Otis who was Redding. born on this date. Next person, celebrating a birthday. She's 72. She cracked the top 40 back in 1962 on the number two hit. And it was number one on R&B charts. Tell me who she is. Kimmy, can you identify who that is? No. Oh, we've talked about her before. It's D.D. Sharp having a birthday today, and that hit was Mashed Potato Time from 1962. Next individual musician born on this date, 1946, died 2006 at the age of 59. He had many hits on the R&B charts, but he crossed into the top 40 with some huge hits. First big hit for him in 1973 on the top 40. Identify who he is. Will it go around in circles? Number one on top 40, 1973. Who is that, Kimmy? Can't do it. Well, here's another hit. 1974, number one on the top 40. Nothing from nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something if you wanna be with me. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something if you wanna be with me. Nothing from nothing. 1974, number one hit. Kimmy, can you tell me who the recording artist is? No. It's Billy Preston, born on the state, 1946. Next person, actor, celebrating a birthday today. He's also a singer. He first achieved, well, fame by playing on this TV show from 1979 to 1985. Identify the TV show the moment you can. Just a good old boy. Dukes of Hazards? That's right. He played on the Dukes of Hazard from 1979 to 1985. He's not the one that would go on to play on Smallville. He's the other one, Kimmy. He played Luke Duke on the show. He would eventually show up on Smallville playing Senator Jack Jennings in an episode called Exposed. Can you tell me his name? Tom Wopat? Yeah, that is exactly right. Tom Wopat having a birthday today. He is 66. Charted big on the country charts, had a oh, top 20 hit, number 16, The Rock and Roll of Love. Don't give up. I know you can make it. Make it. Love is a rock. So just lean upon it. Roll when the changes come. Let your heart beat, beat to the music. Sometimes I know that things get tough. That was a song for him from 1986, The Rock and Roll Love. It charted number 16. Now, what I really love by him did not chart on anything. It did get airplay on smooth jazz radio stations a number of years ago. It's his version of Ruby, one of the best versions I've ever heard recorded. They say, Ruby, you're like a dream. Not always what you see 
And though my heart may break when I awake. That's Tom Wopat with his version, his cover of Ruby, and I just love that version. Mm. Yeah, you can find that on like Smooth Jazz compilation disc. And well, you might be able to, you know, get the uh, digital download. You might be able to find that. That is Tom Wopat having a birthday today. He is 66. Next person played one of the children on a 1960s TV show. That's what she's really, really known for. Kimmy, identify the TV show. Lost in space. Kimmy got it. She played the youngest daughter, Penny. Kimmy, she's the one that had that uh, alien chimpanzee. I don't know what they actually called it. Can you tell me the name of the actress? No, I can't. That is Angela Cartwright having a birthday today. She is 65. The other half of the Eurythmics having a birthday. It's not Annie Lennox, Kimmy. It's the other person. Who is it? David Stewart. That's right. David Stewart having a birthday. He is 65. Next person, English actor... He was popular in rom-coms for a long period of time. He is having a birthday today. His films, by the way, in the United States earned $2.4 billion from 25 theatrical releases worldwide. Identify who he is. He's talking about being a new father. Uh, no, it's surprising that everyone was right all these years saying, why don't you have some children, you know, it really changes your life. And you're thinking, oh, shut up. And now that I have, I have to say it is, it is quite life-changing. I recommend it. Get some. Yeah, they're cheaper by the dozen. Who is that, Kimmy? I don't know. You don't recognize Hugh Grant? Oh. Uh, Hugh Grant having a birthday. How old is he? Within five years. Oh, 57. You got it exactly right, you Hugh Grant groupie. I see dead people. It's notable deaths. This person died 1997. Actor died at the age of 89. He's known for playing a villain on Batman, Kimmy. Tell me who the actor is. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble. Batman and Robin. <laughs> Kimmy, identify who that is. Burgess Meredith. <laughs> yes, Kimmy got it right. He passed away on this date, 1997. By the way, that uh, laugh, that, that uh, iconic laugh that he has there, originally came from when they asked him to light the cigarette and because he was allergic and he started coughing and came up with that. And they're like, hey, that's a perfect laugh for the penguin. So that's that's how it actually came to be, the penguin. Hmm. Uh, that, that sound by Burgess Meredith. You can check him out in so many things, tons of films. And one of the things I, I highly recommend, besides the Twilight Zone episode, you know, that he's, he's known for, mm-hmm. is to check out a Night Gallery episode where he plays a doctor who, well... He's seen better days as an alcoholic. He's lost his license. He's living on the streets. Chill Wills, the, the, the voice of Francis the Talking Mule, is his buddy. They're, they're bums. And they find a bag, a medical bag from the future, and it can cure anything. It's fantastic. The acting between those two, Burgess Maris, is just he's just fantastic, isn't he, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, check that one out. That's a Night Gallery episode. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job on this Saturday cartoon alternative. We're going to go back in time and honor someone we talked about on Trivia with a golden age of radio. That's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Going back in time right now to honor Burgess Meredith, who passed away on this date in 1997. 
He did a lot of work in the golden age of radio. We have two examples right now. These are back-to-back, unedited, and safe for all ears to hear, all ages. First one's called Sign Here, Please, from 1945, followed by The Magnificent Failure from 1947. Kicking it off, here's Sign Here, Please, from 1945, Burgess Meredith on The Riley and Kimmy Show. Burgess Meredith stars in a story of men and women ships of the Amphibious Command. Sign here, please, with Bob Bailey on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company. Right after Pearl Harbor, our Navy was asked to pull up to the islands of the Pacific and to the fortress of Europe to deliver full-scale invasions on shores bristling with guns pointed right down their throats. The Navy's amphibious training command invented the way to do it, created strange ships never before seen on water, ships that deliberately headed for the shore, rammed themselves onto the beaches, ships that opened up their faces and out of which marched and rolled all the men and equipment of war. LSTs, landing ship tanks, LSMs, landing ship medium, LCIs, landing craft infantry loaded with troops, LCTs, landing craft tank, and in the first wave, LCMs, landing craft material. LCVPs, landing craft vehicles personnel. Everything you need for an invasion. This evening, on the third anniversary of the Amphibious Training Command, the DuPont Cavalcade presents Burgess Meredith as Jiminy Peters in Sign Here, Please, with Bob Bailey as Hal McGee. Here's one of our men now. We pick him up in a rather unexpected place, Butternut, Nebraska. His name is Hal McGee. He got home two hours ago. He's seen the family, fed his dog, and now he's going to see his girl. Hey, Hal! But Hal. it's not so easy for a fellow like Hal to walk across his hometown without somebody trying to stop him. Hal! Hal McGee! Oh, I, hello, Mr. Bears. Glad to see you, Hal. Saw you passing the office. Glad I caught you. Tomorrow morning's Thursday. Gotta print the paper. Now... How about a quick little interview? Uh, well, look, Mr. Bayes, I was just now, going won't, over... Won't take a minute, won't take a minute. Just step into the office. Got to print the news, you know. Hey, you're looking fine. Had any bad experiences? There we are. Now sit down. Now tell me, what's the worst thing that happened to you? Is that what you want? The worst? Sure. Jiminy Peters. Huh? That's the worst, Jiminy Peters. Hey, look, I got to go, Mr. Bayes. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Who is this Jiminy Peters? Well, he's nobody, just a guy. Well, I can't write about him. You tell me about you, Hal. Oh, but gosh, Mr. Bayes, I... Come on, come on now, begin at the beginning. Well, that's not a very good place to begin, I can tell you that. It was so disappointing. That's when we first saw our ship. That's when we first met him, Jiminy Peters. We just got to the Philadelphia Navy Yard. In those days, in 42, they didn't have much time. You got out of boot camp, and then you swam through the mud at that training camp in Virginia... And then they sent you right to your ship. Well, I, I never saw many ships sailing around Nebraska, but I'd seen pictures. And I thought I knew what a ship ought to look like. For crying out loud. Hey, Hal, what is it? Well, it ain't no ship I ever saw. Hey, what are we, a comedy act? Why didn't somebody tell us? Hey, that thing will sink as soon as we cast off. It's nothing but an iron box. 
And now you don't float, brother. Hey, Stinky, look. What? The whole front end of it's opening up. With doors. Yeah. Hey, suppose them doors bust open out the sea. Hey, Harvard, you want a ship on that? Not if I can avoid it. I went to Europe once when I was young, and I know that thing couldn't stand it. Probably only some foolish experiment. Hey, here comes the guy. Maybe he knows. Uh, hey, Max. Hey. Good morning, gentlemen. I see you're admiring our ship. Admiring? I don't blame you. It's a noble craft. Latest model, all improvements, including an anchor. We call this model an LST. That stands for Let's Stay in Texas. It carries tanks and jeeps, plus a couple of hundred in Marines and Army. They're for ballast. It's not so large, I'll grant you that, but it has its advantages, gentlemen. It means a small crew, and a small crew means a chance for advancement. It means if we keep a shoe shined every day, they'll let us take turns being captain. And consider this, my friends. Now, this isn't official. Now, come closer. This isn't official, but I heard that in case of good behavior, they're going to give each man one of these things after the war. All you'll have to do is to run it up on land, put a couple of gasoline pumps on front, and you got a garage. Mighty glad to have you with us, gentlemen. Step aboard. Leave in any minute. Under orders, you know. They want us to go out and find a place called Australia. Huh? Australia? Yeah, somebody saw it in a map. They're not sure it's there, but you know the Navy. Always curious. Hey, look, wise guy. I don't like to be horsed. It's me that's going to be stuck on that thing. If that's going to Australia, something bigger will have to carry it. And I didn't join the Navy to ride on something that rides on something Please, else. Please, no, I don't like people to talk that way about my ship. You want that thing to snap its big mouth and bite you? Goes to Australia all by itself. Don't worry. Now, we know you joined the Navy to see the war. So we designed a ship just to carry you right into the battle. Who wants to look at the war through field glasses? We take you right up to where you can see the whites of their eyes and the bucks of their teeth. Now, don't crowd, gentlemen. Single file. Hoop. Hump yourself, sailor. Hey, what's your name? James D. Peters. The D's for damn the torpedoes. Full speed ahead. Don't give up the ship. You'll get your feet wet. How long you been with that ship? What ship? That ship? Yeah. Never saw it before. I just got here. Well, that'll give you a sample of what we was up against. And that was just the beginning. We couldn't get away from that guy. But we cast off, left Philadelphia, went around Florida, through the canal, stopped just long enough to say goodbye to San Diego. And believe me, it wasn't any excursion. I remember about a month later, in the middle of the Pacific, he was fighting a terrific storm. Stinky, what you doing? I'm making my will. Time, ain't it? Except I can't think of nothing I got the will. Well, I don't up. I'm scared myself, except I know you fellows will all start lying and say you wasn't. Well, I'm scared. Don't be a drip, Harvard. Well, you can pretend, but I was raised to be honest. Well, if the Navy isn't going to get us there, why don't we go back? Close that hatch. Oh, for Pete's sake, it's Mr. Peters. I thought maybe you washed overboard. It ain't a fit night out for man or beast. That's why they sent us. Hey, look, I'm not in the mood. If you want to be funny around me, where do we get on land? We'll be on land just as soon as we get over the next wave, right in the bottom of the ocean. Then you gotta let me tell you the story of my life. It's very interesting. It began the minute I started breathing. I looked up and there was a doctor beating me just below the, uh, just below the middle of my back. And I hadn't done anything. So I said, look, Doc. Cut it out, will you? I mean it. What's the matter? You nervous? Oh, you have no sense, Peters. This kind of a ship is a new experiment. No one ever saw one before this war. How do we know we're going to get there? Ah, you fellas are not observant. Didn't you notice how the deck sort of doubles up every time we hit something? How a wave seems to run right through the plate? So what? Ingenious, isn't it? Rubber, steel. Besides, when you're back home, didn't you ever wonder what it would be like inside a washing machine? Well, now you know. Now, come a little closer. Tell you something. Suppose they don't think we'll get there. Think of the scandal if we do. See? Think of all those admirals who get busted because the guess wrong. 
Think of them melting down all that gold braid. Well, I can hardly wait. You want some coffee? Uh, you ain't got the brains to be scared. That's the only thing I got that ain't scared. Besides, we'll get there. I know we will. How do you know? Because I told my dentist to forward the bill. You don't think he's going to let me get out of that, do you? We'll get there. Well, we got there. Our ears were a little sore from listening to Jiminy Peters, but we made it. And that's how we found out those ships were built to go 6,000 miles and feed themselves and a crew of over 100 men for over seven months without stopping. That's a fact. Well, we got there, and then what happened? We sat in a harbor waiting for the rest of the ships for days and days. We just about went nuts. And believe me, that guy didn't help any neither. One day we were sitting on our bunks in a space so small we was just about breathing in each other's faces. Hell. Okay, Stinky, what do you want? I don't want nothing. I was just going to ask you what you're thinking. If I thought I'd jump over, then somebody'd probably pull me out. Consequently, I ain't thinking. Well, I just asked. I just told you. Well, you think you're worse off than I didn't say I was worse off. Look, I have to Hey. How'd you spell appendicitis? Two P's or three? I'm telling the folks who got it. Yeah. Mr. Peters wants to know how to spell appendicitis. Why? Well, my folks are very smart. If I tell them I'm all right, they'll think something's wrong. I don't want them to worry. Well, just tell them you got locked, jaw. I can dream, can't I? Ah, tell you folks, we all got overgrown blisters waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Tell them we're in the last and final stages of mildew. Well, gentlemen, if you're bored, I'll just write to headquarters and get some action. Now, who do we know that's high up in the Navy? President Roosevelt. It pays to go to the top, you know. Take a letter. Dear Mr. President, did you ever hear of us? Well, it's true. Sincerely yours, James D. Peters. The D, Mr. President, is for don't mention it. Oh, go away and let me sleep. I got to write to my folks. I think I'll tell them I got leprosy. That I can spell. You see what I mean? Do you see how a guy like that can get on your nerves? Not just when we were sitting around, because pretty soon we was wishing we could sit. They had us practicing beachings from morning to night. Stinky and Jimmy Peters and I had charge of the bow gun. Stinky loaded, Jimmy trained it, and I was the guy that fired it. But just because Jiminy Peters aimed that gun, he thought he was running the whole ship. One day, he even started briefing the whole crew. Now, gentlemen, gentlemen, listen to me. It's all very simple. Okay, Captain. Very good. Now, on the first trip, if any man makes a mistake, I don't want him to feel bad. No, no, no. Don't take it too serious. It's just a war. If anybody has any trouble, we'll just turn around, start over till we get it right. I don't believe in asking my men to do anything I wouldn't do myself. And if I could swim from here to California, I wouldn't do this myself. (laughs) Now, please bear in mind, gentlemen. Now, when making a landing, the most important thing is not to bump when you hit the beach. Hey, Jimmy, take it very easy. Otherwise, you're going to spill somebody's coffee right in his saucer. Hey, Jimmy, the captain. And I don't want any coffee wasted on this ship, you understand? Not while I'm the captain. No, sir. Just sail round, round, round till you find some nice soft sand. What's going on here, Peters? Uh, how do you do, Captain? I... <clears throat> Beg your pardon, sir. I, 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 was, I, I was talking, sir, a little, sir. It almost sounded like beaching instructions. Crew seems quite interested, too. Nice to know you remember all those lectures, Peters. Carry on. Me, sir? Carry on. Well, um, yes, sir. Me, sir? We'll uh, assemble before dawn, gentlemen, outside the enemy harbor. In the dark, each ship will assume its position. At each hour, the first wave will go in. Each ship must follow... Uh, must follow... 
It's prescribed lane, must hit the beach at the exact spot designated, must arrive in the minute, not one minute before, one minute after. Hmm. Well, one must unload instantly, and at the signal, must retract, pull away from the beach, return onto its own lanes, was not to interfere with the incoming traffic. All right. We'll try that, Peters. What, sir? Just as you have on it, Peters. All hands, man your beaching stations. Oh, Jimmy, somebody ought to beat your head in. Can I help it if the captain wants to learn? We all wanted to learn. We knew darn well we'd need all the learning we could get when the big J came. Then after weeks of practicing, we was all set for the real thing, a landing on a champ-held island. Our LST was supposed to take in both men and equipment, so the first step was to get the boat loaded. Stinky and Jimmy and me and some of the others stood up near the bow gun where we could watch the tanks roll on deck. Well, that's number seven, and they're still coming. Hey, shine up that gun, big boy. Jimmy, what you doing at that site? I'm practicing with my left eye. That's the one I use to shoot Japs. What's the matter with your right eye? The one I have to keep on you and Stinky so you won't make any mistakes. Uh, now, please remember, gentlemen, just do everything the way I tell you. Oh, brother. Hey, Hal, are we going to take this guy along? Hey, look, look. That's the last tank. How many we got aboard? Ten. Then we got jeeps and 150 troops. And don't forget, they got all their mortars and stuff, too. Oh, this is it, brother. This is it. Personally, I don't find it very exciting. What's the matter with you? Oh, it's too much like the movies that I've seen. I don't like these war stories. I prefer the kind of scene where the big financier finds out he's down to his last $20 million. You know, he reaches in the drawer, he pulls out a gun, puts it up to his head, and, you know, the kind of situation where you feel somebody's going to get hurt. Feeling the way I do about you, sweetheart, that's just the kind of situation this is right this minute. Hey, wait a minute. Look, guys. They're closing her up. Well, here They're we go, securing brothers. the bow doors now. To the end of the line. <laughs> Listening to Burgess Meredith as Jiminy Peters in Sign Here, Please, with Bob Bailey as Hal McGee on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. As we continue with our story, there is tense excitement among the crew of an LST on duty somewhere in the Pacific. On D-Day, we stood around the dark before dawn outside the enemy harbor. The barrage was kind of noisy. Then it stopped. We started moving. There were ships as far as you could see. LSTs, LCIs, LCTs, LCMs. Landing ships full of everything there is in a war. But, but even so, while we stood there beside the bow gun, it, it all seemed kind of quiet. Like everything was keeping its voice down. Hey, Hal. You think there's any Japs left over there? We ain't got long to find out. Uh, where's Jimmy? He's got his left eye on the sight. Hey, listen. That army captain is talking to those troops again. Remember if this ship gets stuck on the sandbar, hits the mines, we'll wade ashore. You got that? Yes, Yes, sir. If they don't get our equipment in, we'll fight anyhow. We know there are pillboxes on this beach. If the barrage hasn't got them, those Japs will be raping the ship and trying to knock off the crew so we don't get the doors open. Now, if they don't get the doors open, here's what you've got. What's he mean if we don't get the doors open? Does he think we forgot the combination? 
Worst comes to worst, I'll tear them open with my bare hands. Are you still talking? I'm full of resentment. And that ain't all. You big bag of wind. Hmm. You know, you remind me of my old man. You know, the day before I left, my old man said to me, he says, uh, James D., he says that D stands for don't come back unless you're a hero. Now, he says to me, your great-grandfather was in the Civil War and he died of dysentery. Your grandfather was in the Spanish-American War. He died in a barber chair in Cincinnati. So it's up to you, son. Hey! What's the matter? Right over there, between those two stumps. You see that white rock? You see that? Well, right beside that, there's something moving. Yeah? Yeah, you're right. Sure. Gun, 41 to bridge. Bridge. Aye. Suspicious movement on beach, bearing 005, near White Rock. Permission to open fire. Gun, 41. Commence firing. Whatever it was, when we got through, it wasn't. And even though this was our first trip, we rammed that ship in right to the inch where she was supposed to be. She was unloaded in 30 minutes. Nobody got nervous. Well, not too nervous. We made four trips that day. When it was over, we felt, well, naturally satisfied. But after that, we got used to it. The same thing over and over. Vince Chauvin, Cape Gloucester, Sidor, Hollandia, Saipan, Wadke. There was no story, especially. Of course, by this time, we had some new faces to take the place of Harvard and some of the others. But Jiminy Peters kept right on talking, even when we got stuck. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. That's when we got the load of natives. And that's when that guy, Jimmy, really did something. <laughs> what kind of a thing is this, anyhow? The tide plays tricks on us, we get stuck. We sit here for 24 hours, get pasted by the Jap plane, and now they load us up with natives yet. Yeah, planes came over yesterday and dropped leaflets telling those people to get up in the hills. Yeah. But they were so anxious to see us, they just hid in the bushes. Now we got to get them out of the way. Hey, where are we going to take them to, Hoboken? Hey, look at that old guy. I'll bet he's 150 if he's a good... <laughs> Who did that? That woman over there, that girl. Jimmy's talking to her. Come on, let's go over, Stinky. That guy makes even the foreigners scream. Hey, look, wait a minute. He's picking her up in his arms. Hey, Jimmy, leave her alone. No trouble, boys, no trouble. Hey, put her down, you dope. Here comes the captain. What's going on, Peters? A woman, sir. It's an interesting condition, sir. I think pretty soon it's going to get even more interesting. What do you mean? Well, near as I can make out, sir, she's going to have a baby. Is that all? Yes, sir. Well, well come on, let's uh, take her into the wardroom. Try to make her comfortable. Uh, yes, what is it? Message coming in, sir. Officer of the deck wants you on the bridge. So carry on, Peters. I'll be right back. Yes, sir. Hey, Hal, open the door, will you? Remember, I'm carrying two these days. You, well, what are we going to do? Well, put her on the table. Oh, he's... Uh-oh. Um, mother. Well, mother, get the you... pharmacist, mate, will you? Jimmy, two of them are wounded, and the other one is... Oh, oh. Um, All right, lady. What can I do for you? Yeah, what can I? <laughs> oh, we we can't just stand here, Jimmy. Okay, let's do something. You know what to do? Well, I lived on a farm once, but all we had was tractors. Is let's go from that medicine cabinet, will you? Hurry up. What are you going to do? Well, I don't know, but I'd feel better if that medicine cabinet is open. Okay. Oh, mother. Yeah, lady, I know, I know. At least I can imagine. Don't you worry, lady, we're here. 
I got the lock off. Oh, lady, I... now, lady, don't be nervous. We... No, no. No, we all have to go through this. I'm a... I know you don't understand, but you try to, will you? Look, we're your friends. See, friends. Huh? I... That's right. Take it easy, lady. You take it easy. Oh, That's a good girl. Sure, sure. I... That's... Here, take this. That's right. Just take a whiff of this nice, clean ether. That's right. Might even have to take a swig myself. That's right. This ether lady came all the way from the United States just in case we had a baby. That's right. That's a nice girl. Sure, you understand. Here's a captain. I've been waiting, Peters. Is everything all right? Yes, sir. I'm a father, sir. What is it? A boy? In my family, sir, we prefer it that way. Yes, sir. It's in the log. A baby born on a landing ship. Well, naturally, after that, you couldn't shut up Jiminy Peters. You couldn't expect to. He talked right up to the end. Yeah, we had an end, all right. Had some bad luck. Put us out of business. We was coming in on another beach. It wasn't really light yet. We had a load of tanks, and the decks was full of gasoline drums. We hit a mine. Next thing I knew, we all seemed to be in the water. Hey, let go. Hey, let go. Let go of my hair. Your head up, you big dumb Nebraska cluck. You can't live underwater. You still here? I might have known with all that hot air you'd never sink. Thank you. You're so good to me since the baby came. Hey, let's get out of here. There's a fire in the water. Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, where are you? Here. Well, get moving. Go ahead. What you staying there for, you fool? Waiting for a streetcar. Hey, you hurt? I want you to say so. Grab my shoulder. Come on, grab this barrel. Oh, the barrel won't hold us both. Oh, pipe down. Pipe down. Ah, if you don't mind. Don't use that word down. Right now, it's in very bad taste. Well, sir, the last time I saw Jimmy was in the hospital. Yes, all of us here in the hospital know James D. Peters. The D, I'm told, stands for don't give me digitalis, nurse. Kisses are cheaper. Here he is. <laughs> okay, thank you, Lieutenant. Hiya, Jimmy. Hey, what you got on all that cement for? You hurt bad? This is an interesting experiment, my friend. Come close. <clears throat> they wrap me up like this, and when the spring comes, I crawl out and I'm a butterfly. <laughs> How are you, my boy? Oh, fine, fine. Hey, you'll get the purple heart for this, you know that? Uh, I'm not the only one. Don't kid me. Hey, we lost the ship, huh? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a funny old tub. I never told anyone, but I was in love with it. Always did pick funny things to fall in love with. I was planning to take it home and introduce it to the family. Well, we'll get another, don't worry. It wasn't our fault, was it? No, of course not. I mean, we did our job, didn't we? Hey, stop worrying. Of course we did. We... Hey, for Pete's sake. What? Look who's coming, Jimmy. The Admiral. And some army guy. Three stars. Yeah, here's another one of those men, General. Mm-hmm. How are you, son? Okay, sir. Well, 
I understand you were on that LST that hit the mine. Yes, sir. Gave us quite a lift, General. <laughs> yes, they can be quite stimulating. How many invasions were you in? Uh, seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking for the Army, son, I... We think you've done a fine job. Did we deliver your stuff, sir? You certainly did. In good condition, sir? That's right. On time, sir? Always. Sign here, please. What? Well, I, I mean, sir, that's what they say, isn't it? When they deliver stuff in good condition on the date specified, they give you a slip and they say, sign here, please. Well, you want me to sign... Right here in my plaster cast, please. <laughs> well, I certainly will. With pleasure. Well, Mr. Payers, that's all that happened, I guess. But how? What am I going to say in the paper about you? Well, that's what I tried to tell you, Mr. Payers. I, I guess you want some kind of a hero story, but that's all there was to it. We just did our job, that's all. That's what war is really like. Your job and fellas like Jiminy Peters and... Well, that's all. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. But I think I can get an article out of it, Hal. Yes, sir, I think so. Uh-huh. Well, uh, nice to see you, Mr. Bayes. Where are you going? Why, uh, I heard Carol Sand was still living here. So I heard. Yeah, she is. Heard she was still pretty. Yes, indeed. Uh-huh. Well, this is one invasion where I'm plenty nervous. Good night, Mr. Bayes. Good night, Al. Good night. <laughs> Tonight, the DuPont Company brings you The Magnificent Failure, starring Burgess Meredith on The Cavalcade of America. And now, Burgess Meredith as Josiah White in The Magnificent Failure on The DuPont Cavalcade of America. independence was ended. There was victory in the land, a new nation. But soon the celebration was over. Just a few years later, thoughtful men were staring at defeat. Defeat out of victory. Gentlemen, I'll tell you frankly, when something like this happens, I feel we lost the war instead of having won it. Mr. Smith, I object to that remark. After the valiant work of Washington, Jefferson, and Mr. Franklin, yes, I think... Yes, Mr. Howell, but I am not Washington, and you are not Jefferson. And Mr. Danvers here is not Benjamin Franklin. Although sometimes I think he's trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, I understand your bitterness, and it is obvious that most of it is directed toward me. But I still think the city of Philadelphia should have a water system. We know what you think, Mr. Danvers, but it won't work. We cannot get a fuel that is hot enough to run the new city pumps. But that's why we have no industry. That's what I meant when I said we had lost the war. Exactly. We fought England and got our independence. But now what can we do with it? We still have to send to England even for the nails to build our city hall. England has coal. That's why she can make these things. We have coal, but it's... Down in Virginia. And then we have to put it up in wagons through the mud. 
Till the freight costs more than the coal itself. Gentlemen, may I make a suggestion? Uh, who is that? I have an idea. Josiah, just a moment. But I've got to tell yes, them. Yes, yes, I know, but let me introduce you. Well, Gentlemen, this lad is Josiah White. How do you do? Until last month, he was an apprentice in my store. He begged to come with me to this meeting. Why? Yes, why? Because I think I know how to solve this problem. Mr. Danvers has been more than my employer. He's, he's my friend. And for his sake and for your sake, yes, and for the sake of the people, I've got to tell you how you can make those city pumps do their work. Now, this is a wonderful idea. <laughs> it certainly would be. But don't you think if there was any way, don't you think these gentlemen and myself would have found it? No, no. You see, excuse me, gentlemen, but you can't find it because you've been thinking of wood and poor coal that we've been getting. Now, all you need is a hotter fire to give more power to the pumps, right? But you have to think of something new. And have you got something new that'll make a hotter fire? Yes, yes, I have. Ge gentlemen, I have what you need. I have it right here. What this this what is, is it. it. Look. This, What's that? I call it anthracite. It's, it's a different kind of coal. Why, this stuff has been around for years. Oh, gentlemen, this is nothing but what they call black stone. Oh, yes, that's black right, stone. black stone. But this stone will burn. It will burn just about as much as any other kind of stone. I've seen it tried. Now, Mr. Danvers, I consider you're bringing this young man here an imposition on our time and patience. But he's convinced. Yes, oh, I, I'm convinced, gentlemen, because I've seen it burn with my own eyes. Oh. When I was a boy, when I first came to Philadelphia, I saw a man... Burn this black stone, and I've never forgotten. Uh, just a moment. What was this man's name? Oliver Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Evans. Why, that visionary... Gentlemen, he did make this black stone burn. Everyone in Philadelphia has heard Oliver Evans and his crazy ideas. Will you please leave, young man, and let us attend to our business? But this is your business. If the black stones burn, why shouldn't you use them? Because they don't burn. Now, will you please go, young fellow? But I've seen them burn. Just think what it would mean to the whole country. Josiah, you can't convince them. You'd better go now. Very well, Mr. Danvers. But someday I'll convince them because I know this is a wonderful idea. Who's that? It's I, Josiah. What are you doing? Elizabeth! Hurry, I, I want you to see. Josiah White, look at this house. Ashes from one end to the other. Elizabeth, look, do you see? Look in the grate. The black stone's burning. Excuse me. I gotta keep blowing. Yes, I gotta... yes. yes, it is burning. Yes, I told him it would, didn't I? I knew it, and they laughed at me when I told him that Oliver Evans had done it all. I wish that Mr. Evans was alive. I, I'd like to have him see that I can make it burn, too. Oh, Josiah, that's just wonderful. Oh. Isn't it funny, Elizabeth? I've got it going here in the parlor, but it still won't burn in the kitchen grate. Now, I wonder, wonder why. There must be a reason. Oh, what does it matter? Now you can tell them you were right all the time. Oh, think what it means. Now they can run the pumps. Now they can have factories like they do in England. I knew it was a wonderful idea all the time. Well, now that you've done it, why don't you rest? You've been working night and day. Oh, I can't rest, Elizabeth. I... Got to get Mr. Danvers and show him all. He'll be so pleased. Where's my hat? Where's, oh, here. Elizabeth, while I'm gone, will you keep blowing on the fire, will you? Just just keep thinking what it means to the whole country. I'll be back. I, I love you, darling. But keep blowing. I, I, I don't suppose the other gentlemen are going to like my letting you try this 
black stone stuff in the city furnace, Josiah. But if this works... Look, Mr. Danvers. It's working. Look in the furnace. You can see it. Yes, I, I know. I see. But most of that fire is wood. Ah, oh, but over there, Mr. Danvers. See, there, there's, there's a piece of black stone on fire. Can't you see? But we still haven't got the steam up, Josiah. All we need for that is more fire. Now, when the rest of the gentlemen get here... Here come I'll... the carriages. I guess it's him. All right, now we'll show them. We'll, we'll get this fire roaring. All right, Jake, put in some more. Put in, put in a lot yes, there. Mr. Throw it in. Come, Josiah, we'd better go meet them. Oh, how do you do, gentlemen? Mr. Smith, Mr. Howell. Well, Mr. Danvers, what is it this time? We've asked you to come, gentlemen, because we wanted to show you that the black stone will burn. Oh, for heaven's <laughs> sake, it's that crazy young fellow who talked to us at the meeting. Are you still listening to his rant, Danvers? Yes, I am, gentlemen, because he has proven that the black stone will burn. I've seen it with my own eyes. Well, I still haven't seen it. Where is the fire? Right over here in the furnace, gentlemen. You can watch it burn pretty soon. You'll see the pumps begin to work and... You'll be just as impressed as Mr. Danvers was. All right, Jake. You show the gentleman our beautiful fire. How's it going? It ain't. What do you mean? Them black stones smothered the whole thing out. It's coated in a boatload of fish. I don't understand. We had it going. We saw it. Ah, another hoax. Oh. Mr. Danvers, are you deliberately trying to make fools of the city council? Mr. Smith, we have been fools. I suggest we get out of here quickly. No, wait, gentlemen. It'll burn. Got to. It's a wonderful idea. Oh, come on, men, before the taxpayers stick us in that furnace. <laughs> but, Mr. Smith, Mr. Howell, all we've got to do is to find out the right way to make this burn. Well, you're not going to experiment in the city's furnace. You both get out of here at once or you'll be put under arrest. Yes, come on, come on. <laughs> well, Josiah, I guess now they think I'm a bigger fool than ever. Oh, don't worry, Mr. Danvers. All we have to do is get a big furnace like this and keep trying until we learn how to make these black stones burn when we want them. Yes, Josiah, but I haven't got a furnace and you haven't got a furnace. We'll have to get one. Well, where? Mr. Danvers, I know of an old mill up in the Schuylkill River near where I was born. I bet we could get that and fix it up. I think what it'll mean when we show them that we're right, but the important thing, Mr. Danvers, is what it'll mean to the country. Oh, it's got to work, Mr. Danvers. It's such a wonderful idea. Josiah. Oh, Josiah. Yes. Mr. Danvers. Oh, I'm glad to see you. Now, wait till I get down off this ladder. Wait a minute. There. Well, how are you, sir? Josiah, I, I'm worried. What about? Well, business is bad, and it's getting worse all over the country. I've lost a lot of money, Josiah. We've got to get the mill started and make some money. Don't, don't, don't fret, Mr. Danvers. They're putting the boilers in right now. And, and look what I've got over there in the corner. Yes, I see it. Black stone. Yeah. But will it burn, Josiah? Sure, just as soon as we find out how to make it. And when the workmen go home tonight, we'll start trying. Yes, I... I would sort of prefer not to have an audience. Jake will help us. Don't you worry, Mr. Danvers. You and I know we've got hold of a good idea. Josiah, huh? do you know what time it is? No, Mr. Danvers. What time is it? Three o'clock in the morning. Oh, 
Well, I'd like to try just once more here. Josiah, it's no use. I, I'm afraid your stones just will not burn. I guess he's right, Mr. White. You saw I built a good fire, but when I put more stones on it, it goes right out. We saw it burn. I, I don't understand. We left the furnace door wide open. There's plenty of air. I blowed on it myself until my lungs are sore. It just won't burn, Mr. White. Son, you and I had a vision, I guess. But from now on, I'm going to believe only half of what I see, and I'll still be skeptical about that. Mr. Danvers, you're not going to give up. Yes, I, I'm afraid I am. No. When you get to be my age, the sort of faith you have, Josiah, is too expensive. I was hoping I could stop them laughing in Philadelphia, but I've got to tell you, Josiah, my money is gone. Mr. Danvers. Yes, I know, I know. You're going to tell me it's a wonderful idea. Oh, yes. All I know is it has cost me every cent I've got. Uh, Jake, will you go harness up my horse? I'm going back to Philadelphia. Yes, uh, then can I go home too, Mr. White? It's awful late. Yes, yes. Well, I... All right, but I never heard of a better idea in my life. Josiah, you tried and tried. Now, why don't you give up? All right, Jake. Close up the furnace door. All right. Go home and get some rest and get this foolishness out of your head. Sometimes I wish I could, but I can't. I... Guess I never will. Josiah, is that you? Yes, Elizabeth. Oh, I was sound asleep. Mm. What are you doing? What time is it? It's four o'clock. I've been sitting here thinking, Elizabeth. Josiah, hmm? didn't the black stones burn? No, they didn't. Go to bed, dear. You need some rest. Elizabeth, they think I'm a fool. You know they do. I know. That's why I married you. What? What do you mean? You may be a great man, Josiah. If people think you a fool, there's always that possibility that you have greatness because every great man has looked foolish. Sometimes you sound foolish even to me, but I don't think you are. I never have. Elizabeth, maybe I am... Foolish, but if this thing would only work, if the, this country could find the right kind of fuel, we could build an industry and we'd get roads and canals and everything we need to make us a whole wonderful new nation. And if it would only work. Josiah, I've yeah. never heard you sound so unsure of yourself. Mr. Danvers given up. Oh. Yeah, he cost him so much money. I feel bad about that, Elizabeth. And, uh,. Are you thinking of giving up? No, no. Why should I? See, I, I saw the stones burn, but how can I stop now if I, I could only find the way to do it again? What's that? I don't know what it is. What, Jake? What is it? The mill's on fire. What did he say? I'm not sure. I heard him. He said the mill is on fire. I'll go see. Now, don't worry, dear. I'll be right back. Jake, here I am. Run, Mr. White. Run. The mill, you can see the glow from here. Run. I see it. Come on, Jake, hurry! Kate, Mr. White, the wind is all red. Fire's still inside. Open the door, Jake, will you? Maybe we can get something out of here before the walls collapse. I forgot my key, Mr. White. Oh, Wait you... until I break off the lock here. Hurry, Jake, it's getting redder. The whole place will cave in any minute. Uh, all right, Mr. White, be careful. I'll grab the tools. Wait! That uh, mill isn't on fire. What? 
fires in the furnace. No, no, Mr. White. He never had a fire like Look, that. Look, it's in the furnace, I tell you. The black stones are burning no, up. No, Mr. White, it couldn't be. We tried, don't you remember? We must have tried the wrong way. No, sir, I kept the doors open. I even blowed on it. You saw yeah, it. Yeah, I know. We were trying to burn it like wood. That's the way the people have always burned the soft coal, too. But don't you see, when I went home, you remember I, I told you to close the furnace door? That must have made the difference. I don't understand, Mr. White. That way, the only air that could get at it had to come up from the bottom. That must be the reason it doesn't matter, Jake. Look at it. Oh, no one ever saw fire as hot as that before in their lives. Look at it. That's a stone on fire. Mr. White, it scares huh? me. Don't you think we ought to put some water onto it? No, let it burn. Don't put it out, Jake. My wonderful idea's caught on fire. That black stone is caught on fire. You are listening to Burgess Meredith as Josiah White in The Magnificent Failure on The Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. Josiah White had a lot of ideas about the progress of industry in this country. Uh, as the second part of our story opens, young Josiah has made a discovery that black stones can be burned. Now, today, we know those stones as anthracite coal. But back in the early 18th century, people still had to be sold on the idea. And Josiah was still far from realizing his ambition. Josiah, tell me, what did the men of the legislature say when you spoke to them? They laughed. What? Well, they liked to laugh at me, just like they used to laugh at... Old Oliver Evans. Oh, how dare they laugh. Mm. You proved you were right. You showed them that the anthracite would burn. Well, I don't mind their laughing, Elizabeth. Of course, they think the whole thing has turned into a joke. Oh. Even when I told them there was a whole mountain of blacks stone up in the Lehigh Valley, they say it costs so much to haul it down over the trails no one could afford to use it. But I know if I could bring it down the Lehigh River, why... Did they... Did they give you permission to do that? Yes, they said they'd give me permission. They said they'd give me permission to ruin myself. But you know you can do it, don't you, Josiah? Of course I know it. I even put it in writing. I said, gentlemen, I'll bring the Blackstone down. It'll be 50% cheaper, I said, than any fuel they have in Philadelphia now. Oh, and you will, Josiah. I know it. Well, I think so. All we need to do, Elizabeth, is put locks in the river where the rapids are now and turn the whole Lehigh into a canal. It's a wonderful idea, and I, I know it can be done. Then tell me something, Josiah. Yes? Why did you mind their laughing at you? You did, didn't you? No, I didn't mind it. Well, then why are you worried? I can tell you are worried, Josiah. Why? I know it can be done, Elizabeth. I got all the ideas for it, and I, I've got permission for the legislature, but now all I need is... What? Money? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was what was the matter. In that case, Josiah, we'll use our money. How do you mean? I mean the money my father left me in his will. No, no, that's your money, Elizabeth. I won't use that. Josiah, I am not as blind as those men in Philadelphia. I shall have faith as long as you keep yours. I know my idea's a good one, but suppose something did happen. Well, then it will happen to both of us. I want you to go and change that Lehigh River into a great road of water just as you've described it to me so often. Because I, too, think it's a wonderful idea. 
Uh, Mr. White, hmm? there's a man here who says he's come up from Philadelphia to talk to you. Yes, who is he? It's me, Josiah. Mr. Danvers. Oh, come in. Hello, son. How are you? Tell, tell me what's happening in Philadelphia. We've sent 365 tons of the black stone down there. What do they think of that? Josiah, you, uh, you told me once that you were going to move this mountain from the Lehigh Valley down to Philadelphia. Yes. Well, uh, that's what it's beginning to look like. A mountain on the waterfront of Philadelphia, and it's getting higher and higher. What do you mean? Josiah, I, I thought it was mighty kind of you when you took me in on this proposition and made me your salesman in Philadelphia, and, and I still think so. The only trouble is I, I can't sell it. And I don't think anyone else ever could either. Why not? Oh, I could give you a thousand reasons why not. All the reasons they've given me. But they all come down to the same thing. You just can't make people try it. This is new. And they're used to the old. But this is better. This doesn't have the clinkers like the old coal. It's, it's cleaner. It's hotter. And wood is getting more expensive. Of course, I haven't succeeded like I promised, but I, I'll soon... I'll soon have it cheaper than wood or coal, and it's better, I tell you. Well, come see for yourself. I want you to see how stupid people can be. And there's another reason why I came up to talk to you, Josiah. What's that? Elizabeth. She's missed you. She's lonely. You haven't been home for six months. Well, if what you say is true, how can I face her? Josiah, there's something about you. You'll never be a failure to me no matter what happens. And I've got a feeling that's just how Elizabeth will feel about it, too. I've missed you, Josiah, but now I'm frightened. The same man who went up to the Lehigh Valley has not come home. I guess uh, I'm not the same, Elizabeth. Because now even I know I'm a failure. And you think what Mr. Danvers says is true? I found it out for myself. I talked to every man who owns a factory. They're afraid. They're afraid to change over to the Blackstone. They're stubborn and they're ignorant. Oh, that's what worries me, Josiah. That bitter tone in your voice. I've never heard that before. Oh, I know I shouldn't be bitter, Elizabeth, but here I am with you in our own home and we're warm and cozy. Yes, let's be thankful for that. Here it is, the worst winter that anyone can remember. Why, poor Mrs. Robinson was telling me there's sickness in her family. The house is freezing just like everyone else's. And we've never been so warm in all our lives. Yes, we can be grateful for that. You know, I should have given her some of our black stone. I don't suppose her husband would ever buy any. No, the men wouldn't buy it. That's why the women folks are freezing. Well, then I should have given her some so she could show her husband. Yes. Yes, I should have given some to a lot of ladies I know. I'm telling you, Mrs. Perkins, it saved our lives. Our house was like an iceberg. Everyone was sick, and she came over with some of that black stone and showed me how to use it, and we were warm for the first time since last July. Now, you try it, Mrs. Perkins. And it's so clean, Mrs. Peters. Mrs. Robinson told me about it. It doesn't have any of those awful old clinkers. Now, you try it. And just as she said, it gave the best heat of anything you ever saw. So you just tell your husband, Mrs. Dennis, to go get some. You'll see for yourself. I told you to buy more, George. Now it's all sold, and we've got to go back to use that old-fashioned coal. But you wouldn't believe it was any good. Hey, don't worry. There's more coming. They say that Josiah White is bringing it down by the thousand ton. He's a man that can do it. Maybe crazy, but he's smart. 
Now, hold still, Josiah, and let me fix your tie. Mm -hmm. You know, I was worried for fear you'd never get down out of that Lehigh Valley in time for the dinner. Mm -hmm. They've been planning this banquet for weeks. Oh, Elizabeth, you know something? I'd much rather stay home and have supper with you. Oh, oh, how can you say that? You should see the names of the committee all anxious to honor you. Well, I'll tell you something, Elizabeth. I feel a little foolish going to a celebration like that. After all, all I did was make a kind of canal out of the Lehigh River, and canals are so old-fashioned. Old-fashioned? Well, what in the world are you talking about? Canals are too slow, Elizabeth. Too slow? Yeah. No one ever moved freight so fast and cheap before in this country. I got a better idea. Oh, Josiah. It's a good idea, Elizabeth. What the country needs is a railroad. A rail... You heard me tell you about the kind they got in England? Oh, Josiah, no. I got it all planned. Listen to me, Elizabeth. The land is level, you know, all along the river. It would be easy. I, I, I could do it. I tell you, it's a wonderful idea. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.